0: Happy New Year. Welcome to Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn CPA. I'm glad you're here with me. It's winter time and that reminds me of a old rhyme that I learned when I was a kid. Spring has sprung, fall has fell. Winter is here and it's colder than usual. Okay. It's nice to see seasons. Chico has seasons. Some other places that I've lived before didn't really have it except maybe a little rain, but they didn't have leaves that changed color like we do here. So it makes wintertime kind of nice, but happy new year to everybody. I'm glad we all made it through the year of 2018. Of course, in Butte County, we had the disastrous campfire in November. They had the car fire up further north. So it's been a kind of a crazy year, I've got some interesting discussion coming up about what 2018 looked like in the financial world, which is pretty interesting. One thing I wanted to talk about today was there have been people that I know started some of those GoFundMe and accounts where you raise money for people, and the discussion on that is that that is taxable income. It seems like it should be a gift, but the IRS looks at it as taxable income. So if you are a fire victim and you're receiving some money from those sort of resources, it may be that you need to report that as income. The way this came up for me was one of my clients is doing that for some victims, and he called me before he disperses the money to the victims, and I told him, well, that GoFundMe account is going to be under your Social Security number you're going to have to list it as income, so you need to hold out a percentage for yourself so that you don't distribute the whole thing because you'll end up coming out of your pocket for taxes. And it's just kind of interesting. It doesn't seem like those should be considered income, especially in a disaster area. But until the tax laws change, it won't change. The changes we had at the end of 2017 that affect the 2018, which is the The new 2018 tax law, I doubt if there's going to be any further tax law changes for a while due to the fact that the new Congress coming in in early January here is Democratic House and Republican Senate. That's going to create a lot more gridlock. It's going to make it a lot harder for a Republican tax plan to go through having a Democratic Congress, Democratic House. That's the way I see it. I don't anticipate any more large tax changes. What we do need is tax clarification. I have been grappling over the end of December helping clients with these various tax questions related to the new tax law, and it is very confusing, very tricky, very up in the air. The IRS at the end of November came out with what's called proposed regulations For a very complicated area of the income tax law that has to do with limiting the interest deduction for certain businesses, it has been a real bear to get through that new law and try to tell the clients what they should and shouldn't do. Luckily, most of the decisions aren't decisions that have to be done uh, prior to the end of 2018, which has just passed. Most of these decisions are going to be due by the due date of these tax returns, but those are still tricky and there's a lot of work ahead. So it's going to be a major year. The 2019 tax season is going to be a major year of work for all the tax preparers like myself. So be nice to your tax preparer. They'll try to be nice to you. I won't be surprised if fees go up generally just because of all of the new learning and all the new rules and the software. Of course, to do these tax returns, the prices are definitely up this year and they've had huge work revamping that whole system with new software to take care of all the new tax laws. Like I say, the new tax laws really haven't even been explained yet by the IRS. And as time goes by, they'll explain them. The real key to these tax laws will end up when tax cases go to tax court, but that's a long time down the road. You won't have a tax case regarding 2018 for some time, so there won't be any tax court answers to any 2018 tax law questions, probably for another two or three years at least. That's going to make it very interesting, and there will be some winging it going on with some interpretation of these laws, I would imagine that there would be a very good excuse for reducing penalties later if you make a mistake on 2018 due to a new tax law and it wasn't clearly explained in the new tax law, which a lot of these points aren't. I can guarantee they're going to have to be lenient with things like penalizing for a mistake when you honestly did the best you could to follow the law but the law itself hasn't even really been explained properly, even by the the IRS's regulations, because Congress writes the law. They have a lot of help. It'll be IRS people drafting the actual terminology, but it's still Congress that passes the law. Those laws are not clear at all times when they're written. This one is very complicated with these whole new theories I've said before that there's been nothing this big in the tax law happening since the 1987 tax revamp. So that's 30 years since another major tax revamp happened. And these rules take years to figure out. They take years to clarify. It's very complicated. So be extra nice to your tax preparer this year because he's working twice as hard and hopefully for not twice the money, but probably for more money than you paid him the year before. But, In my opinion, that's totally understandable. It's just the way things are. Now that it is officially 2019, I wanted to bring in an article to share with you. This article is from late in December of 2018. It's from my favorite news gathering website, zerohedge.com. I look at it every day. I encourage you to do the same. Uh, don't trust your mainstream media for any for anything real. The title of this article, and you can easily find this online, you go to Zero Hedge and search. 2018 is officially the worst year on record with 93% of all assets down. I'm just going to read part of this article. Two months ago, we first showed what Deutsche Bank dubbed a quite fascinating statistic, namely that as of the end of October, of assets that the German bank collects data on for its annual long-term study had a negative total return year-to-date in dollar terms. This was the highest percentage on record based on data back to 1901, eclipsing the 84% hit in 1920. Commenting on this striking observation of a market in which quite literally nothing worked, Deutsche Bank said that this is what happens when the vast majority of global assets are expensive historically due to extreme monetary policy. When the tide goes out, you're more likely to get in mass negative months rather than rotation from day equities into bonds or vice versa. Fast forward to today when picking up on the theme of ebbing liquidity tides in his last early morning for 2018 Joits Deutsche Bank's Jim Reed writes that 2018 has been like a rebellious teenager, suddenly aware of their own mind, independence, and the world around them after years of being guided and cajoled in everything they do. He also notes that for him, peak quantitative easing, which is the free money they doled out buying everything after uh, 2010, moving to QT, which is quantitative tightening, where they slow that down, and the Fed raising rates four times this year has been enough to reverse a significant amount of the liquidity inspired asset price returns of the pre tightening era, a bit like Roadrunner galloping off the cliff only to suddenly look down. Well, I think it's usually Wiley Coyote that runs off the cliff, but that, that he wrote Roadrunner. Most importantly, Reed notes that the chart in question showing the percentage of global assets down on a dollar-adjusted basis each year since 1901 was the most requested chart we've ever been involved in. And as updated below, 2018 continues to be the worst year on record on this measure with 93% of assets currently down, worse than the years of the Great Depression, and up from 89% at the end of October. So then it just goes on to show a chart with the percentage of assets with a negative total return in U.S. dollar terms at the all-time high of 93%, and this chart goes back to 1901. The record bearish print is made all the more fascinating considering that just one year ago, 2017, was the quote best year ever for markets on this measure when just 1% of assets finished with a negative total return in dollar terms. Only the Philippines bond market was negative. Putting these two extreme years in context, since 1901, the average has been that 29% of assets finished a given year with a negative total return, leading Deutsche Bank to exclaim that it's been an amazing couple of years nonetheless as we swing from one extreme to the other. It's perhaps not a surprise that in this time Major uh, central banks have moved from peak global quantitative easing, eve, easing, to widespread quantitative tightening. I'm just going to end that article there. What 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 I've been talking about on Business Buzz for quite a while, if you recall, is that quantitative easing is what pumped up all these markets, and since they've done this tightening where they're supposedly buying less of things. It's basically shown that this entire market system is broken. It's fake and there's no real, see that, remember, throughout history, the reason to have a market or the reason to have a stock market, the reason to have an exchange, the reason to have a New York stock exchange is to find the fair value of an asset what would the fair market what would the fair value of a share of ibm stock be if you had a free market and an exchange that enabled 100 million people to participate the daily buys and sells of that share of stock would give you the fair value of that traded asset that would be a free market fair valuation system unfortunately There is no free market left anymore in any of these areas. We have the crude oil market always being manipulated. The gold and silver I've talked about many times is the most manipulated market. That along with platinum and palladium. What we're looking at is that we're in the middle of a matrix where all of these markets are fake. We have things like called the Plunge Protection Team, which is the Exchange Stabilization Fund that is legally authorized to take secret money and buy stocks, bonds, investments, whatever they want, to buy futures, to buy all kinds of things, derivatives, which I'm going to talk about in a little while here. What you're dealing with is a fake market. And that's why I encourage you to be careful We've seen how bad the end of December can be in the stock market. The month of December was bad. We had a few up days toward the end, but generally it was the worst December in the stock market, I believe, since the 1920s or the 1930s. Normally December is called the Santa Claus rally, and things usually do pretty well in the stock market. My point is, You can't believe anything you hear or read or see, and the fair price of anything is not being fairly discovered through a free market. That is where you need to beware, and that's where I always come in on Business Buzz and remind you that you need to look at second opinions. You need to look at alternative news. You need to look at alternative descriptions of these markets where you're placing your your so-called wealth. It's very dangerous, and you can't—you just can't leave it the way it used to be. These are not free and fair markets. I will be right back after this break. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be right back. Here's Rick Box, founder of Unconventional Business Network, with today's Integrity Moment. This week, we're discussing four insights the Apostle Paul shares in Ephesians 4.29 that can help guard our tongues against gossip in the workplace. The first insight is unwholesome words. Some time ago, I had a radio interview with a host unknown to me previously. Afterwards, a friend asked how my interview went. I began criticizing the radio host's style. God's Spirit convicted my heart that I had just undermined this radio host's credibility. My words were unwholesome, and I vowed to guard my tongue in the future. Proverbs twenty-one, twenty-three teaches, he who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. Unwholesome words are any words that might hurt others. We should choose words carefully. Stopping workplace gossip begins with us guarding our tongue from unwholesome words. To learn more about Unconventional Business Network and doing business God's way, visit unconventionalbusiness.org. That's unconventionalbusiness.org. Hi, this is James McDonald from Walk in the Word it's always great to hear that a new station partner has come on board. If you've heard our broadcast, then you know I'm passionate about sharing the truth of God's Word. To get fired up about your relationship with Christ, join me each weekday on Walk in the Word. And be sure to check out all the resources available to help you grow strong in the Lord. Just go to our website, walkintheword.com. Join us for Walk in the Word, weeknights at 6 p.m. here on KKXX. back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Happy New Year. I'm glad we all made it to 20. If you're listening to this, you made it to 2019. That's a good thing. Before the break, I was talking about the fake markets and the fact that 2018 is the year with the most markets down. 2017 was the year with the most markets up. This is not a real This is not a real world that your money is sitting in. It's fake and it's phony. Now, this is not financial advice. It's entertainment. And I always remind you to do your own due diligence. Don't listen to what I say and take it for being correct. Also, don't listen to any single person and take it as being correct. Only you can decide what's right for you and your financial planning. You can hire people like myself as a CPA. I'm not a financial planner. You can hire financial planners. You can hire stockbrokers. And it's good that you do that. The main thing is, it's up to you to decide what your level of risk, what your exposure should be. How much of your money do you want to put at risk in a fake market like the stock market, the bond market, all the markets? They're not real. I brought in a real interesting article that is, uh, it's actually from the middle of uh, 2017, but it still applies today. Nothing's changed in this realm. It's probably gotten worse since then. It's from my favorite news feed website called zerohedge.com. I encourage you to read that. I read it every day. That's where I get most of my financial news. When I see an article here, I know something's happening in the news And then I can go further elsewhere to look up things that I need to double check. But it's a great place to just see news as it happens during the day. And it's called zerohedge.com. This article is called Financial Weapons of Mass Destruction. Top 25 U.S. Banks Have $222 Trillion Derivative Exposure. And this is authored by a man named Michael Snyder via the Economic Collapse blog. The recklessness of the too-big-to-fail banks almost doomed them the last time around, but apparently they still haven't learned from their past mistakes. Today, the top 25 U.S. banks have $222 trillion of exposure to derivatives. In other words, the exposure that these banks have to derivatives contracts is approximately equivalent to the gross domestic product of the United States, times 12. As long as stock prices continue to rise and the U.S. economy stays fairly stable, these extremely risky financial weapons of mass destruction will probably not take down our entire financial system. But someday another major crisis will inevitably happen, and when that day arrives, the devastation that these financial instruments will cause will be absolutely unprecedented. During the great financial crisis of 2008, derivatives played a starring role, and U.S. taxpayers were forced to step in and bail out companies such as AIG that were on the verge of collapse because the risks that they took were just too great. But now it is happening again, and nobody is really talking very much about it. In a desperate search for higher profits, all of the too-big-to-fail banks are gambling like crazy, and at some point, a lot of these bets are going to go really bad. The following numbers regarding exposure to derivatives contracts come directly from the OCC's most recently recent quarterly report. And as you can see, the level of recklessness that we are currently witnessing is more than just a little bit alarming. Citigroup, total assets $1.8 trillion. Total exposure to derivatives. 47 trillion dollars. JP Morgan Chase total assets 2.5 trillion dollars. Total exposure to derivatives 47 trillion dollars. Goldman Sachs total assets 860 million dollars. Total exposure to derivatives 41 trillion dollars. Bank of America total assets 2.2 trillion dollars. Total exposure to derivatives thirty-three trillion dollars. Morgan Stanley total assets eight hundred. Tr- I'm sorry, eight hundred billion dollars. Total exposure to derivatives twenty-eight and a half trillion dollars. Wells Fargo total assets two trillion dollars. Total exposure to derivatives seven trillion dollars. Collectively, the top twenty-five banks have a total of $222 trillion of exposure to derivatives. If you are new to all of this, you might be wondering what a derivative actually is. When you buy a stock, you are purchasing an ownership interest in a company, and when you buy a bond, you are purchasing the debt of a company. But when you buy a derivative, you are not actually getting anything tangible. Instead, you are simply making a side bet about whether something will or will not happen in the future. These side bets can be extraordinarily complex, but at their core they are basically just wagers. The following is a pretty good definition of derivatives that comes from Investopedia. A derivative is a security with a price that is dependent upon or derived from one or more underlying assets. The derivative itself is a contract between two or more parties based on the based upon the asset or assets. Its value is determined by fluctuations in the underlying asset. The most common underlying assets include stocks, bonds, commodities, currencies, interest rates, and market indexes. And I'm reading back from the article. Those that trade derivatives are essentially engaged in a form of legalized gambling, and some of the brightest names in the financial world have been warning about the potentially destructive nature of these financial instruments for a very long time. In a letter that he wrote to shareholders at Berkshire Hathaway in 2003, Warren Buffett actually referred to derivatives as financial weapons of mass destruction. The derivatives genie is now well out of the bottle, and these instruments will almost certainly multiply in variety and number until some event makes their toxicity clear. This is a quote from that Warren Buffett. Central banks and governments have so far found no effective way to control or even monitor the risks posed by these contracts. In my view, derivatives are financial weapons of mass destruction, carrying dangers that, while now latent, are potentially lethal. And then back to the article. Warren Buffett was right on the money when he made that statement, and of course the derivatives bubble is far larger today than it was back then. In fact, the total notional value of derivative contracts globally is in excess of $500 trillion. This is a disaster that is just waiting to happen, and investors such as Buffett are quietly positioning themselves to take advantage of the giant crash that is inevitably coming. Now, I'm going to interject here. What I was saying about fake markets is directly related to this article about derivatives. If there were true free markets and things went out of whack in the free market of what people people actually would intend to buy and sell directly with a free market pricing, I'm sure most of these derivatives would have blown up by now. And the reason we have the fake markets is to protect these banks from these dangerous derivatives that they're in the middle of this mess with. According to financial expert Jim Rickards, Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway Incorporated is hoarding $86 billion in cash because he is likely anticipating a major stock market downturn. Far from a bullish sign, Buffett's cash hoard could mean he's preparing for a market crash. When the crash comes, Buffett can walk through the wreckage with his checkbook open and buy great companies for a fraction of their current value. That's the real Buffett style, but you won't hear that from your broker or wealth manager. If Buffett has a huge crash allocation, shouldn't you? He knows what's coming, now you do too. Warren Buffett didn't become one of the wealthiest men in the entire world by being stupid. He knows that stocks are ridiculously overvalued at this point, and remember, this is in the middle of 2017 where they were still heading way, way up from there. He knows that stocks are ridiculously overvalued at this point, and he is poised to make his move after the pendulum swings in the other direction. And he might not long have too long to wait. And so this guy's talking back in the middle of 2017 uh, about the you know precariousness of the stock market. But like I say, with the fact that it's a fake market, and we've probably had our own tax money being used through the plunge protection team to buy up these stocks, it didn't crash during 2017. It started. Looks like it started to crash at the end of 2018. We'll have to see what happens in 2019. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be too reckless with my money. I would put it that way. I'll be right back after this break. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn CPA. Be right back with you. Two Nicks, that's right. It's double Nicks. Nick Guy, Private Eye, and Mister Nick of Wee Kids. Must be true. Saturday mornings between nine and ten. Here on KK Nicks KKXX AM nine thirty. We're also on one hundred four point five FM. And give it a shot. You put us in your auto dials on your radio. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Happy New Year. Another New Year. Another year is gone. 2018 is in the books, as they say. Hopefully, you had an okay one. Hopefully, you made it through all these crazy disasters. I won't call them natural disasters. It doesn't appear that the campfire was a natural disaster. It was definitely a disaster. There'll be a lot of gnawing of teeth and everything during tax season this year because of all the crazy rules and numbers flying around with what's called involuntary conversion when a fire destroys a property. If you have questions about that, you can contact me. My number is 895-3353. I offer a free initial consultation. might be over the phone, might need to be in person, but give me a call. We can talk about it. I'm always looking to help new clients and this year's no different from any other. I'll, I'll help you if I can. So give me a call. Now remember this whole show is based on entertainment. I'm not a financial planner, nor do I play one on television. I'm a CPA with a law degree. I'm not an attorney. Don't play one of those either, but I have been around the block. I began my tax preparation career about 37 years ago, and I've been an actual CPA doing a lot of income tax work for the past 28 years. So that's a little bit of my history. In fact, it's going on 29 years coming up in March. So if you need any tax advice, take advantage of my free consultation. There's a lot of good tax preparers in Chico. I hope to be one of them. If you have one already, good for you. Uh, Make sure you work with him this year on the new tax law. Make sure you disclose everything because there might be something that he forgets to ask. I mean, there's been many times where I've helped someone and it's like, darn, I wish I had have asked that. And I try to have checklists and things like that. But it's better if you open up about everything you've got going while he's trying to ask you everything he can think of asking. Because there could be something that he just doesn't think he should ask, but it turns out it applies to you. There's always some random things going on tax-wise. There could be there could be something like, oh, I supported my granddaughter this year since my daughter lost her job, something like that. There could be ways that you're missing out on tax help by not knowing that, and if he might not know to ask the exact right question randomly, you need to tell him everything you think might be appropriate and let, let, the, let the tax expert say, no, that doesn't help. One of the common ones on that is the old uh, casualty and theft losses. Prior to 2018, you could have a casualty and theft loss, but it had to exceed 10% of your income or it wouldn't help you. As of 2018, not only does it have to be 10% of your income, but it has to be in a federally declared disaster area. But one of my more common questions over the years is a client will say to me, Oh, my fence blew down in a windstorm and it cost me a thousand bucks to fix. That won't likely help because the thousand dollars is not likely to be over ten percent of that person's total income. So if I look at the tax return and I see that the income's around fifty thousand, then I know that casualty and thefts have to total for that year more than five thousand dollars. So it doesn't hurt to mention it though, and let your tax professional tell you, oh, that's not going to help. It's better to do that than to forget to mention something that would have helped, but he had no idea, unless you answered a question on his questionnaire, he had no idea that that even went on. So that's where I come from on the whole thing with you working with your tax professional. Go ahead and tell him things that you think might help and let him say no, but don't expect him to read your mind. I mean, we're smart, but we can only do so much. I brought another article today. It's dated uh, December 19th, so it's not too old. And it's by my favorite my favorite commentator, Egon von Greyers. You, if you're getting tired of him, let me know. But I never get tired of this guy. And the title of this article and his website's called goldswitzerland.com. He's a Swiss guy. So these are translations. The title is called Real Gold Price Lowest in 50 Years. And I've been telling you, you need money insurance to ensure that derivative-backed bank account of yours is going to be there when you need it. And money insurance is physical gold, basically. Not financial advice, purely for entertainment. I'm not a financial advisor. But I want to read you this article. As we approach the beginning of the biggest wealth destruction in history, it is timely to turn to the wisdom of one of the great philosophers, Plato, who stated, The greatest wealth is to live content with little. And this is the lesson that most people in the world will need to learn the hard way in coming years. We are now at the end of an era which has created unreal wealth for a few and massive debt for most of the world. As all the bubble markets in stocks, bonds, property, and other financial assets implode, Together with the debt that has fueled it all, hundreds of trillions of dollars will just vanish and never return. The consequences will be both shocking and devastating for most people. It is interesting how few people, especially in the West, heed the wise words of Plato. We all come into this world alone with absolutely nothing and we leave the world in the same way, alone with nothing. And in between, most people try to accumulate as many possessions as they possibly can, although we take nothing with us when we leave. I have recently had discussions with a couple of different friends who have expressed content with what they have and are in no need of amassing material wealth. These are both people of great intellect and integrity and also with many interests which are both stimulating and free. It is refreshingly uplifting to meet such people who are totally contented with their lives. I'll interject here. I've been talking with friends, and I recently had a chance during the holidays to get together with two old friends that I don't see too often, but I've known them since I was about five years old. I saw both of them in the Christmas week. And talking with them, I realized that I do have a new philosophy since I've—we don't discuss age on Business Buzz, but— I'm approaching that retirement era, I'll put it that way. And I really have realized that I don't drive around anymore looking at real estate and saying, I wonder how much that place would sell for. I'd like to make an offer on that building or that house or those apartments. I spent years always kind of thinking in the back of my mind, what's a good investment? What might that cost? And I realize now at my age I'm now in the decluttering mode and the de- and the simplification mode. Younger people are still looking for what's the next purchase, what can we do. But for me, I'm going to try to simplify it. I've noticed that I think with age comes a certain amount of that, no matter who you are. So I'm going to continue reading from this Egon von Greyer's article. Interestingly, both these people are holding gold. Most people, clients or friends, we know who own gold – Do not hold it in order to become wealthy. They do it because they see the unprecedented risks in the world, in markets, and in the financial system. They see gold as the best form of insurance or wealth preservation against these risks. Anyone who buys gold to make short-term gains has misunderstood the purpose of holding physical gold. Gold is not a get-rich-quick investment. The people who buy gold when it goes up and sell when it goes down are just opportunistic speculators. They don't understand the purpose of holding gold. Gold is not an investment. Gold is money and the only money which has survived in history. Over time, gold assures stable purchasing power. One ounce of gold buys a good quality suit for a man, just like it did 2,000 years ago. Where has all the paper money gone? Paper money is gradually disappearing in country after country. I was recently in Sweden and there the European, Eastern European beggars are all almost gone. Why, you wonder. The reason is that cash has virtually disappeared in Sweden and nobody carries cash. So there is no money for the beggars. Many shops don't accept cash. Even low-value shops like bakers only take credit cards. In many EU countries, that's the European Union, the maximum daily withdrawal is 1,000 euros and cash transactions over that amount are illegal. In Venezuela, bank accounts of many ordinary people are frozen to, quote, fight terrorism. I'm going to interject here before the last break of the show today. I looked that up because I was wondering the other day if a business offers cards only and no cash available to be used for money. Is that legal? And my son and I looked that up, and yes, it is legal to not accept cash. And I wasn't aware of that, but I did look it up. I'm glad you're here with me on Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Stay tuned. I'll be right back after this short break. Pacific Justice Institute. This is The Legal Edge, defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Dickus. What I'm about to tell you is really unbelievable, shocking, and tragic. Here it is. A group of abortion activists are traveling across the country on a book tour. They're promoting their recently published book called Shout Your Abortion, this tour and the book are meant to proclaim abortion as a positive human right every woman can be proud of and promote as a right of equality. Well, we at Pacific Justice Institute pray that the dark veil covering the eyes of abortion activists be pulled away so that the light of Christ will shine before them to stop promoting and celebrating the murder of innocent unborn children. The Pacific Justice Institute provides legal representation to individuals without charge. Learn more at pacificjustice.org. That's pacificjustice.org. God has abundantly blessed America. Our founding fathers knew and understood the laws of nature and of nature's God that prosper a people in harmony with them. Most assuredly, People that seek first God's ways of universal righteousness, spiritual prosperity, create the environment of peace, harmony, and blessing that naturally pave the way to material prosperity. America, bless God. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I was just reading this article, I'm going to continue, and we were talking about the fact that without cash, the beggars don't hang around looking for change because nobody's got any cash. They're all using credit cards at the stores. So I'm going to continue with this article. So it is only a matter of time before cash disappears altogether. This gives the authorities around the world total control of money, and we hear that banks around the world are preparing for this. When the next financial crisis starts, It will be very easy to turn off cash machines and to block all transactions by credit card of, say, more than $100 or euros daily. At some point, private cryptocurrencies will also be banned and replaced by government cryptos. Only gold is money. Quote, money is gold and nothing else, end quote, said J.P. Morgan in 1912. Again, this time, the only real money that will survive is gold the Greek philosopher Aristotle, who was Plato's student, defined what sound money must be. Durable, portable, divisible, and intrinsically valuable. Only physical gold fulfills all these criteria, and this is why gold is the only surviving currency in history. As I stated before, physical gold is today confused with paper gold. The gold price is today determined by a false paper market, which is likely to fail in the next few years. At that point, we will know the real price of gold. And I'm going to interject here. That's what I meant by fake markets. None are more fake than the gold market. I'm going to get back to this article from goldswitzerland.com. Will the financial system survive? The stocks in the banking sector are giving us a clear warning that the financial system is unlikely to survive in its present form. Many bank stocks are down over 90% since 2007. Deutsche Bank, for example, is down 94%. Looking at the European Banking Index, Stocks 600 Index, it has lost 75% since 2007, and just in 2018, it is down by one-third. The index has never recovered from the last crisis, and as the chart shows, prices have been going sideways at the bottom. This is a very bearish sign, which indicates that this chart will soon crash again, and the European banking system will crash with it. 2007 through 2009, soon to be back with a vengeance. The continuation of the 2007 to 9 crisis is just around the corner. Governments and bankers around the world have managed to postpone the inevitable for 10 years. That will result in a crisis of a much greater magnitude. This time around, there is not much margin for lowering rates, since they are already negative or very low in most countries. And the coming money printing on a global scale is very unlikely to save the system. The fake financial system based on credit and printed money will soon be revealed. Finally, the world will soon realize that it has been living on a lie, as printed money can never create wealth. Printing money is like piling Peleon on Osa, This is a fruitless effort just like it was for the centaurs in Greek mythology to pile one mountain upon another to reach heaven and destroy the gods. The best illustration of what will happen in the next few years as wealth is destroyed is the chart of the Dow to Gold Ratio. When this ratio goes up, it means that the Dow is going up against gold and when it goes down, it means that gold is gaining against the Dow. Stocks bottom against gold in 1980 as the gold price reached $850. Subsequently, stocks rose strongly as gold fell to $250 at the end of the 1990s. The Dow then fell 87% against gold from 2000 to 2011. We have since 2009 seen a strong stock market and lower gold. In spite of that, the Dow is still down 52% against gold since 1999. The correction now seems to be over, and we have seen the ratio fall 14% since October 2018, and it shows a chart to that effect. The long-term fall, which started in 1999, is now likely to resume in earnest. Now, that's the Dow to gold ratio, stocks to gold. A stock market crash is imminent. The ratio reached 1 in 1980, which means that the Dow and gold were at the same level around 850. We are likely to at least reach the trend line, which is at 0.75, but probably overshoot and see the ratio below 0.5. This means that the gold price will be at least twice as high as the Dow. Whether that is $20,000 gold and 10,000 Dow, time will tell. It could also be $50,000 gold and $25,000 Dow with hyperinflation. It is, of course, impossible to forecast the exact level, but what is clear is that stocks together with most assets will decline dramatically in real terms, which means against gold. Finally, let us look at the gold price adjusted for real money supply fiat quantity money. As this chart below shows, the gold price is now at the same level as in the late 1960s and early 1970s when it was $35 an ounce before Nixon closed the gold window. Gold is also at the level where it was at the turn of this century around $300. That'd be in the year 2000. What this clearly shows is that gold on any criteria is severely undervalued, whether it is against the money supply or against stocks. But the reason for owning gold should not primarily be based on the incredible undervaluation, but on the fact that gold represents the best insurance as well as the ultimate wealth preservation against the imminent collapse of most assets and also of the financial system. Remember, That sounds negative, but the fact that you are aware that that's a possibility thanks to Business Buzz informing you of that possibility and its entertaining style, that is the positive. So we take a negative, which is the fake market, phony, derivative world of money, and we turn it into a positive by advising, and not advising, but by mentioning that one of the ways people are trying to insure their money is by buying some physical gold. It's very simple. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. But it does take someone like me trying to help you learn that there are other places to listen to your financial news, and it's not CNBC. I'll leave it at that. I don't want to knock any one particular network. There's plenty of bad ones to go around. I won't list them all. So for the last few minutes of Business Buzz on the first installment of 2019, I want to say thanks again for spending part of your afternoon with me. I know this is a big national holiday. I hope you're enjoying it with your family and friends, maybe watching some college bowl, bowl football. Whatever you may be doing, I hope you're enjoying your day, and I'm glad you're here listening with uh, me on Business Buzz. So for the last few minutes, I'm going to lighten the load. I'm going to make you feel better. I'm going to help you out while I help myself. I'm going to learn while I teach and teach while I learn. I'm going to read a part of my favorite book. The book is called A Course in Miracles. I won't debate whether it's true or not, but I will debate that I like it and I enjoy reading it and it helps me on a daily basis. And I'm going to go to chapter 25. The cha- title of the chapter is The Justice of God, and this is section 9, and this section is called The Justice of Heaven. What can it be but arrogance to think your little errors cannot be undone by heaven's justice? And what could this mean except that they are sins and not mistakes, forever uncorrectable and to be met with vengeance, not with justice? Are you willing to be released from all effects of sin? You cannot answer this until you see all that the answer must entail. For if you answer yes, it means you will forgo all values of this world in favor of the peace of heaven. Not one sin would you retain, and not one doubt that this is possible will you hold dear that sin be kept in place. You mean that truth has greater value now than all illusions, and you recognize that truth must be revealed to you because you know not what it is. To give reluctantly is not to gain the gift, because you are reluctant to accept it. It is saved for you until reluctance to receive it disappears, and you are willing it be given you. God's justice warrants gratitude, not fear. Nothing you give is lost to you or anyone, but cherished and preserved in heaven, where all of the treasures given to God's Son are kept for him, and offered anyone who but holds out his hand in willingness, they be received. Nor is the treasure less as it is given out. Each gift but adds to the supply. For God is fair. He does not fight against his son's reluctance to perceive salvation as a gift from him. Yet would his justice not be satisfied until it is received by everyone. Be certain any answer to a problem the Holy Spirit solves will always be one in which no one loses. And this must be true because he asks no sacrifice of anyone. An answer which demands the slightest loss to anyone has not resolved the problem, but has added to it and made it greater, harder to resolve, and more unfair. It is impossible the Holy Spirit could see unfairness as a resolution. To him what is unfair must be corrected because it is unfair. And every error is a perception in which one, at least, is seen unfairly. Thus is justice not accorded to the Son of God. When anyone is seen as losing, he has been condemned and punishment becomes his due instead of justice. The sight of innocence makes punishment impossible and justice sure. The Holy Spirit's perception leaves no ground for an attack. Only a loss could justify attack and loss of any kind he cannot see. The world solves problems in another way. It sees a resolution as a state in which it is decided who shall win and who shall lose, how much the one shall take and how much can the the loser still defend. Yet does the problem still remain unsolved, for only justice can set up a state in which there is no loser, no one left unfairly treated and deprived, and thus with grounds for vengeance. Problem-solving cannot be vengeance, which at best can bring another problem added to the first, in which the murder is not obvious. The Holy Spirit's problem-solving is the way in which the problem ends. It has been solved because it has been met with justice, Until it has, it will recur because it has not yet been solved. The principle that justice means no one can lose is crucial to this course, for miracles depend on justice, not as it is seen through this world's eyes, but as God knows it and as knowledge is reflected in the sight the Holy Spirit gives. No one deserves to lose, and what would be unjust to him cannot occur. Healing must be for everyone— because he does not merit an attack of any kind. What order can there be in miracles unless someone deserves to suffer more and others less? And is this justice to the holy innocent? A miracle is justice. It is not a special gift to some to be withheld from others as less worthy, more condemned, and thus apart from healing. Who is there who can be separate from salvation if its perfect purpose is the end of specialness? Where is salvation's justice if some errors are unforgivable and warrant vengeance in place of healing and return of peace? Salvation cannot seek to help God's Son be more unfair than he has sought to be. If miracles, the Holy Spirit's gift, were given specially to an elect and special group and kept apart from others as less deserving, then is he allied to specialness. What he cannot perceive, he bears no witness to. And everyone is equally entitled to his gift of healing and deliverance and peace. To give a problem to the Holy Spirit to solve for you means that you want it solved. To keep it for yourself to solve without his help is to decide it should remain unsettled, unresolved, and lasting in its power of injustice and attack. No one can be unjust to you unless you have decided first to be unjust. And then must problems rise to block your way and peace be scattered by the winds of hate. Unless you think that all your brothers have an equal right to miracles with you, you will not claim your right to them because you were unjust to one with equal rights. Seek to deny and you will feel denied. Seek to deprive and you have been deprived. A miracle can never be received because another could receive it or not. Only forgiveness offers miracles, and pardon must be just to everyone. Well, that's it for Business Buzz today. I hope that little section of the course makes you feel a little bit better. Basically, miracles are just thoughts that are from the higher part of your mind. I've talked about that before. I'll look forward to seeing you next time on Business Buzz. Congratulations for making it through the year of 2018, the worst year for markets in general in the last 120 years. I will talk to you soon. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Join me next time. KKXX. Paradise. K280GL. Chico. And K283AR. News this hour from townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters. Just after Nancy Pelosi was sworn in as House Speaker, President Trump appeared in an impromptu press briefing at the White House. He had with him members of the Border Patrol and Immigration and Customs Enforcement personnel, and they reiterated their support for President Trump's border wall. Brandon Judd of the Border Patrol says walls work. I worked in NACO, Arizona for 10 years. We didn't have physical barriers in NACO, and illegal immigration and drug smuggling was absolutely...